Amen. You may be seated. Happy um, three-day weekend for a lot of you. If you are off tomorrow, tell someone next to you what you're going to do. Well, maybe we could do that. Like, what are you going to do tomorrow? Any plans? Anyone? Well, hopefully you have a day off, and I know the students do. And, um, <clears throat> and I know we have some uh, old friends and new, new friends who are here visiting us as you're off. You know, this week I'm going to be talking about, today I'm going to be talking about the topic of humility. And humility is a, uh, a subject that we come across the Bible often, and I preach on once or twice a year. It's always a difficult subject, really. Because for the person preparing it, you're never adequate enough. And, and the moment you feel like, I think I've mastered this, you know, it, it's kind of a slippery slope. And um, <clears throat> you want to... Um, Consider that. And often, as I prepare messages, you know, along the way, it's not so much of just book knowledge, but God teaches me things along the way. And so when you're learning and you're preparing on humility, you don't want God to humble you too much, you know. So there's that kind of thing. And this week, um, God kind of showed me this again and taught me humility. Yesterday, I'm coming home um, in the morning, and uh, one of my neighbors just down the block was giving, put in front of their house a practically a brand new elliptical machine. It's just free. And those are really expensive. And um, so I was like, wow, they're giving this away. It's free. And I looked at it. It was really nice. And uh, so I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. Like, thank you, Lord. You know, I'm going to take it. And um, so I, I tried to put it in my SUV. And it was so, you know, it, it, the parts are moving, and I'm trying to lift this. And I was in front of their house now. I'm getting a little embarrassed. So I'm trying to load this in. And now this is where the lesson of humility comes in. There is this little lady. She's at least 15 years older than me. At least, okay? It may be more. And she's jogging. But you know the, the people that aren't really jogging, they're kind of walking. But anyway, so she's doing her exercise Saturday morning. She's going around and she looks at me and I'm struggling with this. And then she jogs back. And I was like, oh. And then she's like, do you need some help? And it was a really humbling moment because I'm like, come on, you know, you're a quarter of my size. You know, you're a lot older than me. And I, but I needed it. And I was like, uh, yeah, can you help me? And so she's like, okay, I'll hold this in. And she was holding it. <laughs> Without her help, I wouldn't have been able to get that. I would have broken it. And so no one else would have been able to do it because I, I would have fell apart. I, I was wrestling with this thing. Humility. Um, all of us are in need of this. And today, as we have our youth group in here, we have our family service. You know, it's interesting because this text here tells us in verse 3, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to. You can imagine the youth, the, the teenagers, even back in the church in Rome hearing this message, don't think you're all that great. And this message is for parents, for kids, for the, the rich and the poor. It's for everyone. It's a lesson on humility for those in the church. Be humble. Be, be of sober judgment. Don't think you are better than you really are. Let's really think about this. All that we have that we could brag about, God has given to us. Think about this. Some of you have homes where your parents love you and take care of you. And you say, wow, it's great, but is it because you're so good? No, it's because your parents are so good. Right? Amen, youth? They're like quiet. They're like, really? I thought it was because I was special. No, it's because your parents are special. And so some of us, as even as adults, as we have grown up, and maybe you had wonderful parents that had given you everything you need and guided you, it's because they're great. It's not because I was so good. And when we come to God, we realize God is so good to us. And what are we really proud about? It, this message affects all of us. 
And we have to understand that all of us are gifted by God. And so all that we have is given by God. Paul himself, when he writes this letter, he says in verse 3, 4, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone. He's saying it's a gift, a grace given to me. It's not because I'm so smart and I'm this. It's just a grace given to me. It's not because I have special knowledge or special powers. It's just a grace given to me. And so he talks to the church, and he says to be humble and to serve. Right? Um, you know, the Bible is filled with stories, and a lot of the stories are written. And if you really think about it, it's very funny in a way. Um, for example, in the Gospels, when uh, John writes uh, the Gospel, and he talks about how him and Peter were running to the empty tomb. Right? And John makes it clear in his Gospel And he says how he got there first and Peter got there later. Like he was really slow, out of shape, and he was in good shape. He got there. Like little things like that. And in the passage at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, as he tells them, I'm going to be gone, and another counselor will be with you, the Holy Spirit will be with you, these guys are now talking about who is greater. And Jesus approaches them and he asks them, "Um, what are you talking about? Well, we see this here in Mark chapter 9. And they came to Capernaum, and this is Jesus, and when he was in the house, he asked them, when the disciples all came, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent. Why? For on the way, and this is what Mark records, for on the way, they, were, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. Can you imagine how humble they were at that point? Because on the way to meet Jesus, they're arguing who is the best. And we love to compare and we love to compare ourselves to other people. We love to compare people in different eras and basketball players, who is the greatest of all time. And we love to compare ourselves. Can you imagine them coming before Christ and Jesus saying, hey, guys, what are you talking about? And just silence. He knows what they were talking about. Mark wants to make sure that every Christian that reads this will understand what they were talking about. Why? Because this is what we talk about all the time. And when Jesus comes to us and he says, what are you talking about? What were you talking about? What were you boasting about? We'll all be silent. What do we have to brag about to God? You know, the humility allows us uh, uh, so many uh, opportunities and gifts. And and three ways it affects us. And I want to just highlight these three for us. First of all, humility connects us with God. To be a Christian, you have to be humble. To be a follower of Christ, I have to be humble. Because just simply the term, the the words that we use to address God, God, Lord, Savior, our guide, our master, all these terms are used by someone who is humble. You cannot be arrogant and call someone those words. And so to be connected with God, we need humility. You know, in Isaiah 66, 2, God says this, But this is the one to whom I look, I will look. He will be humble. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. This is the person he looks to. He looks for. No one who is not humble. The person who says, I don't need a Savior, cannot go to God, and God will receive them. They're humble before God. Now, um, this sin of pride... C.S. Lewis writes about it, Mere Christianity. And he calls it, he calls the sin of pride in that book the anti-God state. Pride 
equals being anti-God, against God. And this is what he says, and I want to quote him. He quotes a list of sins. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. The person who says, I am proud of who I am. Because of what I am, you cannot go to God. Now, does this mean, and we have to get this very clear, does this mean we should have low self-esteem, low worth, we shouldn't try to win, we shouldn't work hard at what we do? No. But what humility in Christ does is it, it tells us that everything I have is from Him. And I am able to do all things because of Him. And because of what He has done to me, that's my identity. And it, it humbles us, and yet at the same time, it gives us a self-worth that is grounded in him that nothing can change. And no one can make fun of me enough because it doesn't matter. God accepts me. God loves me. And so we understand that humility connects us to God. Humility, secondly, also connects us with others in community. In order to have a community of people, in order to have Let's put it bluntly, just friends. We need to be humble. So we cannot be in a community where I'm going to now impress everyone. I'm going to go get in a circle and talk, and I'm going to tell them about all my things, and they're going to be in so much awe because I am so good at everything. No, that's not how it works. That's not how friendships work. And in the church, in the body of Christ, we are all connected. And we have some of you who are, uh, you know, just not even a teenager yet. To some of you who haven't been teenagers in a while, you know, and, and we're here and we're connected. And the picture we see here um, is he illustrates this drawing a picture of the body. And Paul does this several times in the Bible. But the picture of the body, many different functions, different fingers in a hand, the hand, the feet, eyes, nose, uh, all different functions that they form one body. And this is what he says in verse 4, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. We're connected one of another. And God has brought all of you here at this point, and somehow you are connected to these people. And you are a member of this body. And you might say, well, I, I'm not the pastor, I'm not the small group leader, I'm not the teacher, I'm not that significant, but you are. You know, this past 4th of July, uh, there were two NFL football players that were playing with fireworks, and they were holding it in their hand, and it went off, and they lost their fingers, right? And so I was thinking, oh yeah, you know, we're going to have our youth today, I should tell them not to play with fireworks, but these are the grown men, so all the grown men here, please, don't play with fireworks, all right? Especially guys... Football, whatever, all right? Um, Jason Peter-Paul, C.J. Wilson, all right? Lost their fingers. So I was listening um, to, and this is when I was up at Vancouver on my uh, sabbatical, and I was listening to talk radio, driving, and they were talking about the, the worth of now Peter-Paul because maybe he lost the finger. And uh, Jason Peter-Paul is a defensive end. He doesn't throw the ball. He doesn't catch the ball. His job is just to hit people. Right? And it, uh, so you, you naturally you think, well, what does a finger really matter? But what some of the experts were saying, it makes a big difference. 
You can't grab someone anymore, and you're hesitant in certain ways, and he can't do the same things, and this is his big contract year, and he's going to lose money because his worth is not more because he lost a finger, an index finger. And really how important is every person here, how important we are and how important my relationship with them and being connected is. One body, many members, one head in Christ, and we are connected, members of one another. In order for us, in order for you to be connected and to make a difference, it starts with humility. I'm not here to impress them. I'm not here to go and teach them, per se. I'm here to just be in community, to learn, to grow together in this way. Thirdly, humility connects us to purpose. And you say, well, how do you jump all the way there? This text here tells us that humility frees us to serve, right? It allows us to serve. It, it teaches us that others are more important. God has placed people in our lives that we ought to care for, and when we care for them, it gives us purpose. And so humility, if we don't have humility, no one is important. The prideful person says, everyone here exists because of me. But the humble person here says, oh, well, I'm here to help someone. God has put a burden on this, these people. Or I'm here to work with the youth. Or I'm here to take care of the children. Or I'm here to help my friends to come to Christ. And it gives us purpose. You experience this. I think uh, first-time parents experience this. I remember I experienced this when, uh, you know, when we first had you know, Carissa and I became a first-time dad. And um, I, I drove so cautiously when I first had her. And some of you have seen those like, you know, baby on board. Well, I, I didn't buy that because I'm like, what, what's the point? But, you know, some of you buy, we buy that caution, world, drive safely, there's a baby on board, right? And I remember even at four-way stops just waiting let it go. Go ahead. Go ahead. I got a baby on board. You know, go ahead. Why? Because this person back here, all of a sudden, mattered more than me. Um, when we have now someone that we love and we cherish more than ourselves, and this is where purpose comes from, we say, boy, that's important. That gives me purpose in life. The person who has everything and all things and everyone at their beck and call and all their people that follow them around or they're because of their money or their power, they say, I, I have no purpose. I am just bored. What's the newest experience? What's the newest thing? And if we live in pride and say, I'm not here to help anyone. I'm here to help myself. We start to lose purpose. How many new restaurants can we go to? How many new countries can we visit? How many new cars can we buy? Before we say, well, what's the purpose? What am I living for? And so the moment you become humble and you say, these people, God has put a burden on me for these people. I want to help these people. It gives us now a sense of purpose, how important that is. You know, in verse 6 through 8, he lists these seven gifts. And he says, the, the argument is, is you use these gifts, these seven gifts. Right? And I want to run through this real quick. Number one, prophecy. Someone who speaks on behalf of God. And I think this is not someone who... In modern day, says I, God's telling me stuff in my mind. I need it. It's someone who is now explaining God's word to you. They're speaking on behalf of God. You say, "Ah, oh, man, that person shared with me some, uh, you know, some of the scriptures. It met, you know, some of the Bible, and it, it's what God wants me to do." And so, there's someone like people like that. Pastors are like that. Teachers are like that, etc. Um, and so, if it's prophecy, do it according to the faith that God has given you. A, amount of knowledge that you might have, the amount of ability that you have. 
Secondly, service. Some of you have a gift of service, then in your serving. Right? Um, thirdly, teachers, in your teaching. Uh, fourthly, to those who exhort. Uh, to exhort is kind of the picture of going one-on-one, you know, one-on-two, just talking to a small group and guiding them along. And some of you are so good at that. And some of us, and all of us, have been inspired by people, encouraged by people that have said, hey, you know, we need you here. You ought to be doing this. You ought to take care of so-and-so. You know, as a man, you ought to live in this way. As a woman, you ought to live in this way. And that makes a big difference in our exhortation. In to those who contribute, the one who contributes, the one who is generous, he says to do generously. It's the person that has a, a lot of means. They have a, a, a lot, and they love to give and support. If, you, if that is your gift, do it in a generous manner. And fourthly, uh, or next, he, he talks here also about um, those who lead to do it with zeal and the gift of mercy, do it with cheerfulness. You think about this uh, gift of mercy, to show mercy. And some of you want to reach out to those who are less fortunate. Some of you want to go and help those who are struggling. He says to do it how? To do it with cheerfulness. So, so don't go to someone who is maybe down and out or struggling. Don't go there with a long face and be discouraging to them, right? That's the idea. Go and cheer them up. Do it in a cheerful way. And how important that is. Um, how do we now fight pride and live humbly? This is a, a homework assignment for all of us. Because the moment we go back into the world, the patterns of this world tells us it's all about you. It's all about your rights, your self-esteem, and you're number one. The Bible says, no, it, all of that is defined by God, and so I want to live in God's purpose. How, how do we keep humble? How do we fight ourselves from going down the way of the world? A couple things I want to share with you. Number one is daily we have to go to the cross and we have to go to Christ and we have to pray. Whether it's singing these songs and reminding yourselves, going to the scriptures, going to God as a beggar, not as someone to go and negotiate things. Going to God and saying thank you, not simply to give him a list of the things you've achieved. And sometimes when we pray, we have a prayer list and it's just a checklist. You know, uh, yeah, I'm going to pray for God, would you watch over this? God, can you give me this? God, can you take care of this for me? And we go down the list. God is not our errand boy. He is someone we ought to go to humbly. And we ought to come, you know, we get together in the church and we're reminded again, Christ died for me. And we go to the cross daily as a beggar and we plead with him and we are humbled. Philippians 2, and I want to read a few verses. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind, he says. Don't have the mind that it's you first. Have this mind among yourselves. It's Christ's mind. Have it within you. The second way we stay humble, I think, is we all, you all ought to be serving someone somehow right now. You ought to be serving somewhere. Your hands ought to be getting dirty. Uh, you know, you ought to be doing something. And I want you to look at your life and say, with all the things I have, all the things, great blessings of your health, of your wealth, of your time, uh, of your talents and uh, gifts, and all the things I have, am I using it all for me? 
We ought to be serving somewhere, someone. Maybe it's a neighbor. Uh, maybe it's a, the new kid at school who has no one to eat lunch with. And we say, hey, you know, let me talk with you. Let me show you around. Uh, maybe it's the new person at work that doesn't know their way around. And maybe it's in the church serving in a certain way and to serve with the hundreds some other people who are serving at Crossway and say, I, I want to be serving in this way. We ought to be serving in some way. Don't be useless. You know, one of my favorite movies on my top five is um, Saving Private Ryan. And some of you have seen it. It came out, and I looked it up, and it came out already in 1998. I was going to ask, how many were not around the earth in 1998? Let's just keep our hands down, okay? And how many of you, 1998 feels like, a couple years ago, right? It feels like that. I remember watching that. And I probably watched it. Every time it comes out on, you know, on cable randomly, like, this is one of my top five. I need to watch this, and I watch it over. Well, in the movie, uh, there is uh, one of the guys uh, who is a translator, and his last name is Upham, Timothy Upham. And you guys, if you've seen it, you remember. He is the, the weak link. He speaks German, so they bring him, but he doesn't know how to carry a gun, and he's scared all the time. And there's a scene at the end of the movie when they have the big fight against the Germans. And these two men are in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Uh, one of the German guys and one of the American guys, they're fighting in this empty, abandoned room upstairs. And they, the only weapon they have is a knife, and the German guy gets a hold of the knife, and it's slowly stabbing the American guy to death. And it's a scene where you're just suffocating, and they, the camera pans, and it goes now to Upham. And Upham is sitting on the staircase right next door. The door is open, and he hears everything that's happening. And he's sitting there crouched in fear, and he has ammunition all around his neck. And he has a huge gun, and he's sitting there crying. And, you know, if you're like me, you, you sometimes want to talk to the TV. You're like, get up, man. Like, you know, go do something. And uh, every time I think I watch it, I say something to up him. Get up, up him, you know. And then he never does, right? But we, it's so frustrating. And you say, oh, man, I, you know, they should have killed you, not him, you know. And um, <laughs> don't, don't sit on the side with a bunch of bullets and say, oh, I can't do it. Oh, I, I, you know, I, I'm not worth anything. I can't do this. Or I'm too busy. I can't do this. Don't become useless in this way. Uh, Warren Wearsby talks about two men that he had encountered in the church, and one person was boasting about all the things he's good at. The heritage that he has and the good genes that he has, and he's good at so many things, and God has blessed him with so many things, but he didn't do a thing. And then he met another man who now had nothing. And he would always tell people how he was good for nothing, good at nothing. I can't do anything. I can't sing. I can't teach. I, I can't do anything. But he said he's a Christian. He came to the conclusion as he analyzed them, he said both men were sinning in pride because they both were failing to acknowledge that God had gift, God's the one who gifted them and they weren't using it. Even the man who, in his quote-unquote humility, false humility, said, I have nothing. No, he's making God out to be a liar. God has gifted you, and we ought to be serving in this way. I want to encourage you to do that. I watched a short um, documentary about a man. This man was a physician. And often in our world, we would say, man, if he could be a doctor, and we have dreams of our kids maybe one day being a doctor. And he came down uh, with a disease, and um, he had basically uh, was not able to function and get out of bed. He was bedridden. And uh, in bed, he was there, and he was so depressed. 
right? He is someone who has helped so many people. But God opened the door, and now he connects. He's laying in bed, and he's on his computer laptop, and he helps doctors in Africa when they have questions. And he's on call because uh, you know, he, he really can't go anywhere, and he's, he has all his books, and he has his expertise of his decades of practice, and he's confined to this bed. But he is now helping these doctors, and they showed a clip of it, and these doctors are now asking questions on how to do so-and-so, and, you know, this is happening to this person. What could it be? And he's telling them how to do this. doesn't matter what situation we are in. We ought to be serving someone somewhere. And lastly, you have to be in some kind of a community, some kind of a fellowship. The Christian church was built upon these house churches. People would gather. And when they would gather, they weren't all exactly like-minded. They didn't all like football. They weren't all the same age. They were different. They, sometimes they spoke different languages, and they had different economic backgrounds. They would get together, and it would be messy. It would be difficult. But it's okay. This involves and gives you the opportunity to care for someone. How are you going to care if you don't listen? How are you going to be there if you are not present? And so I want to encourage you, join a group. And I tell all of our couples that, that you know, I, I do the weddings for, and I tell them, you need to join a community group for the benefit of your marriage. There was a study that came out of married couples in the church who joined a small group versus married couples who just came and left on their own. The divorce rate was 80% less for those who were in small groups. Why? Because... You help each other. You learn from each other. And just to be frank, sometimes you say, boy, I thought our problems were bad, but man, their problems are, wow. Like, your mother-in-law wants, oh my gosh, thank you, Lord, for my mother-in-law. You know, it's, it's that. And there is some of that. Um, but really, it, it's, you go and we get together. We don't go there to impress someone. We go there now to share we, go, we don't go there to take from someone. We go there to give and to serve. And in a couple of weeks we launch, we're going to meet the first and third week of the month throughout this quarter. Um, we want you to sit in circles and talk. And I guarantee you it's not going to be spectacular. You're not going to walk away saying, wow, that changed my life. No. But little by little, just like a family, little by little, it will improve you. And so I'm going to pray for us, and after I pray, I'm going to give you some time to fill out this form that you have. I'm going to encourage you to do that. You could have the pen. Don't take the pen if you're not going to fill that out, all right? It's only for those who fill it out, and we want you to fill it out. No, really, it's for all of you, but we want you to fill it out. We want you to be part of a community. We want you to come with the heart of, I want to go and help someone and just be there and learn from someone and do life together. Let's bow our heads. God, we learn of humility from your son Jesus Christ, the perfect, the beautiful Lord who attracts us by his humility. God, give us that mind, not the mind of the world. So would you help us to do that? The things we are proud of are all in you, God. And Lord, before you, we are always humbled. So teach us, make us a humble body of Christ here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.